Well, I want to teach you today on accessing infinite treasure. And uh, by the grace of God, I have some authority to preach this message. And uh, so fasten your seatbelts and get ready. God's going to give you a major upgrade in your own life, as well as in the lives, in your corporate life together. And uh, I feel like, I feel like you've, you, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying you've done well in your life. Uh, the vast majority of you stewarding your life from a place of lack. But God wants to give you the joy of stewarding your life from a place of abundance. And it's a whole totally different mentality. And we need the Holy Spirit to just come and go and give us a complete 180 degree. That's what repent means, right? It means turn around, go a different way. And if you're, you know, if you're living in abundance, congratulations, no need to repent. But if you're not living in abundance today, today's a good day to repent, which means metanoia in Greek, change your thinking, allow the Holy Spirit to come and change your thinking. And I'll give you an example of the type of changing of our thinking that I'm talking about. Uh, in the year 2013, I had the joy with my brother Murray, who pastors with us in Raleigh. Uh, we like to do family on mission, and uh, I would encourage you to do the same in your life. Uh, Jesus modeled that out of 12 apostles, 12 disciples. Uh, he could have, he had 500 to choose from, and he chose 12. And out of those 12, he had two sets of brothers. That's, think about it. That's one third of his disciples were relatives of each other. And they were business partners too. So, you know, God's really into family. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so my brother and I were, uh, in 2013, we had the joy of purchasing a couple of uh, 4x4 Land Cruisers uh, that are sort of a little more old-fashioned. But they're, they're brand, they were brand new, but they're, they're, they're a little older in their design uh, and then they're, they're really good in Africa and Asia and places. And we had the joy of driving those things over 10,000 kilometers to, from Belgium to Niger Republic across the entire Sahara Desert and the entire of West Africa. And uh, we went over deserts, we went over mountains, we went through rainforests, we went through rivers. Uh, I mean, we went through rivers in the dark Number one rule of four by four, never go through a river. Number two, never go through a river that you don't know how deep it is. Number three, never, ever, ever go through a river. Number four, never go through a river in the dark. Number five, never go through a river. And we took those, we had to, we were not on some four by four fun jaunt. We were taking these four by fours to our missions base in northern, um, in Niger, Niger Republic, Republic de Niger, uh, to, to, to work. And they are working now. They've been working for five years, uh, four years. They've been working for four years uh, in West Africa, reaching the most unreached people groups of the world, including the Tubu, the Fulani, the Tuaregs, and so on. And this journey was so daunting for me. 
because, you know, in all the preparation, uh, you know, not only were the, were the physical conditions extremely arduous and doing 13 hours a day for 21 days, driving nonstop, uh, and we averaged 13 hours a day for 21 days, but, um, you know, we faced Al-Qaeda in uh, Mauritania. Mauritania itself is just a terrifying nation to try to get a visa for or to get through or whatever. Um, it's like, you know, one of the only nations in the world that's like a harbors Islamist terrorism. And, uh, and we were actually chased by Al-Qaeda in that s situation without realizing it, thank God. Um, and, you know, and then some of the roads that we were on, you can't really call them roads, but some of the, the tracks that we were on are notoriously the most dangerous highway robbery situations, and so on. I took four spare wheels and tires, okay? Sorry, did I say four? Took five spare wheels and tires for these two vehicles on board. Why? Because before I started that journey, I have a mindset. I had an expectation plan for the worst so that when the worst happens, you are ready for it. And let's face it, the worst is going to happen. That was my mentality. Plan for everything. All the border stops, put extra time in place because, you know, some of the African nations, notoriously corrupt. You know, we, I just had this mindset of all the things, multiple things that I was thinking of at a subconscious level to plan for the worst, because the worst is probably going to happen. That is the spirit of stupid. But it makes so much sense to the natural mind. Because the natural mind does not understand the realm of the spirit. The natural mind doesn't understand the goodness of God. The natural mind takes, someone, takes a, a verse like Psalm 119, verse 68, that says God is good, or you are good, and you do good, therefore I'll obey your commands. The natural mind, when it re reads that, says, yes, that's true for everybody else. It's just not my experience. My experience is not that. That's like the standard over there. God's good. Look at him over there. Look how good he is. Wow, he's so good. You're good. You're so amazing. You're really good. I better work really hard so I can earn as much money as I can. Because I'm on my own, really, when the chips are down. I better prepare for the worst because, oh my gosh, you know, Christmas is coming and I've got a little sore throat. And <coughs> oh no, I always get a sore throat at sick. At Christmas time, and oh my gosh, it's going on in my chest, and then I'm going to get pneumonia, and oh my gosh, it's just a, holy moly, Christmas sucks. <laughs> and it was absolutely astonishing to me and to my brother and to the two other guys, Jerry from Catch the Fire Montreal, and... Uh, Amy's brother, Steve, who drove with us as the photographer. I taught him how to drive properly. Um, we had the most epic journey that was like a hot knife through butter. 
in which God proved himself over and 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 over that I was wrong about him. And that he is phenomenally good. And he's utterly capable at not only helping us to avoid the worst, which is mercy, but he's actually capable at giving us the very best, which is grace. Grace is that you don't, mercy is that you don't get what you deserve. Grace is that you get so much more than you deserve. <laughs> and so remember I took five spare tires, 10,000 kilometers, we never used one of them. We never used one. That is a metanoia. It would be sin for me if I ever doubted God's goodness again. It would literally be the worst sin. And so, you know, thank God for the blood of Jesus that's covered me even in the time since then that I have no excuse than to know that God's good. All right? I still keep, my mind is so fixated on plan for the worst. And what God wants to do this morning is take your mindset and my mindset from a mentality of lack and focusing on human resources, our own jobs, our own bank accounts, our family's ability to give to us, our inheritance from our mums and dads or grandparents or lack of one. And take us out of a mentality that looks horizontally in this world and looks down into ourselves and into our bank accounts and into our iPhones to find out, figure out, is there any change to the debt that I've got? <laughs> it's got worse! It's got worse! Well, that's how it works in this realm. But this is not the realm that we were created for alone. We were created for this realm and that's why your body's so important. Take good care of it. If you don't and you puncture it, your moon, if you go to the moon, you have a moon suit. If anything happens to the moon suit, you die. Right? On earth, you have an earth suit. If anything happens to the earth suit, like catastrophically, you die. It doesn't matter how anointed you are, how spiritual you are, how phenomenally powerful man and woman of God you are, if you don't take care of this earth suit and it punctures and gets a hole in it, you die. So we're going to understand that, yes, this realm's important. And this realm is a realm that for now we're operating in, and this is the realm of the invasion of the goodness of God. But the good news, everybody, is that the kingdom of heaven is within our reach. The kingdom. And the kingdom is another realm. So, <clears throat> Kate and I are blessed with three citizenships. In fact, I would have had a fourth on account of where I was born and grew up for 20, uh, 18 years. is Nigeria, West Africa. But, you know... They didn't want to give me a citizenship for Nigeria. I don't know why, but I, I can't get one. So I'm stuck with just three citizenships. It's a hardship, but, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And so 
the nice thing is we can come to Canada and apart from the fact that they're unbelievably grumpy, yes, you tend to think American immigration officers are the grumpy ones. No, they say welcome home, even if you're on a green card with a Canadian passport. But when you come to Canada, they're like, where do you live? Well, I live in North Carolina. Passport. Where are you going? I'm going to Toronto. What are you going to do? I'm working. <laughs> Not really. I'm working all week. Okay. Anyway. Come on, that's not, my Canadian citizenship feels offended at that. We need to be more friendly, don't we? Because we're friendly people, and so our immigration officers need to reflect that. But anyway, there we go. Little rant there. <laughs> happens over and over again. Maybe it's because they hear the British accent, and they find out that we're in North Carolina, and they're like, oh, you're one of those, are you? <laughs> but anyway, the point that I want to make is, when I crossed over the border from the United States of America, where I'm a citizen, when I cross over the border, the citizenship of the United States of America no longer counts for anything. What counts is whether I have a citizenship of Canada. Okay? If I have a citizenship of Canada, no problem. You can... You can live and work and do whatever you want, just like you can in America if you have a citizenship in America, just like you can in the UK if you have a citizenship of the UK. If you don't have that citizenship, you don't have access and rights in the same way, correct? You have a citizenship of heaven. Now, that means that you have all the rights and all the privileges of heaven. They're yours. Whether you choose to use them or not is up to you. Now, here's the deal. Not only privileges and rights, but there's a currency. If I take out my US dollars over here or my pound sterling and I try to use them, it doesn't work, does it? I have to have my Canadian money. I have to get out my loony and my toonie. If I turn around in America with a loony and I'm like, I got a loony, can I have this? They're like, a loony, what? They're, the currency goes with the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has a king. And that king has that king has a treasury, everybody. And that treasury has bills. And on the bills is the face of the king. And the currency is not dollars. The currency is not pound sterling. The currency is not the euro. The currency is the currency of faith. And on that currency of faith is the king of the treasury of the currency of faith. And on the faith bills, boom, is the face of Jesus. And he guarantees and backs up every single bill. 
When I understood this, my mind changed and I realized my life and its associated abundance or lack is not determined any longer by the dollar. It's determined by how much of the currency of heaven I carry. And when I realized that as a citizen, a son of the kingdom, I have an unlimited bank account, my life really changed. I'm talking really changed. What if you could go through your life and never ever buy a thing ever again? Now that's, I just want to paint, I want to say, I'm not yet at this level. I'm breaking into revelation, okay? I'm breaking into revelation. But let me give you an example. All right. So I've been blessed to travel all over the world, 74 nations. In every single one of those nations, their currency has a value, correct? So if I take 100 US dollars and I come into Canada with 100 US dollars, the 100 US dollars that had 100 value in America in Canada now has 139 or 137 dollar value. But it's the same 100 dollars. But the value's different. The purchasing power's different. Everything's changed about it. Now, if I take that 100 dollars, okay, and I go to Thailand, all of a sudden now the purchasing power of my 100 dollars has increased even more than it did when I went to Canada. If I take the $100 and I go to Mauritania or I go to, no, let's say Guinea in West Africa, now all of a sudden my $100 will literally pay for me to be in a hotel for a whole week. Whereas that same $100 back in the United States will only get me the Hampton Inn just for a day, for a night. Same $100, different lands, different value. When I understood that, so when I was, one day I'm thinking about the kingdom and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says this, Duncan, in the kingdom, the currency of the kingdom has a different value than the currency of earth, such that it so affects everything that the same dollar in the pocket of a righteous man or woman in their purse. That same dollar will enable them to buy up to 100 times more than the same dollar in the pocket of an unrighteous man or woman. Why? Because the dominion of darkness, the dollar has a value. In the kingdom of light, the same dollar has a different value. So, so why does this matter to you? It matters a lot. It means that it's not so much the numerical value of your net worth that makes the difference. It's which kingdom is that net worth in? 
I'll give you an example. We moved into a house way back in 2003. And Melissa will remember that house really well because she used to come and stay and she was the nanny of our girls when they were little. I bet she never thought that she'd end up being our eldest daughter's sister-in-law. We certainly didn't. But she was their favorite. They had a lot of nannies and she was their favorite. Well, we just moved in and we moved out of Woodbridge and we moved north up to Palgrave, up in, in, in actually in Agila, and we had five and a half acres and our house was considerably bigger than the one in Woodbridge. We had three living rooms, whereas we only had two living rooms in um, Woodbridge. And so Kate was sitting with me and as is sometimes the way of a woman, she was stressing out in that moment about her living room and how would we fill that living room with furniture when we didn't have any furniture because we had three living rooms and now, now, but we only had two before. And so she was kind of a little bit kind of concerned about that because, you know, it meant a lot to Kate that we had the right furniture in the right living room. To me, I'm like, come on. There's third world problems that are a lot bigger than that. But to Kate... As the mom in the house, she, it meant so much to her. And I just suddenly realized, Duncan, if it means a lot to her, it needs to mean a lot to you. I'm like, okay, come on. The fact that we're not talking about 505 naturally aspirated horsepower and a 7-liter LS7 Camaro doesn't mean that suddenly that this is not a big deal. This is a big deal for her. All right, okay. So... I like muscle cars, by the way. I happen to be blessed to have one of those. But anyway, Kate, I suddenly said to her, Honey, the Lord told me that the currency of heaven has a completely different value than the currency on earth in the dominion of darkness. And that it's worth a hundred times more the same dollar. Let's ask Jesus to give us the right furniture. What do you need? She says, I need a two-seat love seat. What color? Well, for that living room, kind of blue and greens. I'm like, okay, perfect. I think that's right, right, love? Something like that. Perfect. Okay, heavenly daddy, we reach up into the heavens and we just take hold of, by faith, a two-seat love seat and we ask you that you'd give it to us in Jesus' name. Boom! Well, not long after that, Kate's driving through Bolton and she's on her way through Bolton on the way home. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, turn right. She turned right down and there's liquidation center. She walks into the liquidation center. As she walks in, she hears the, the, the uh, customer service lady or customer relations lady or whatever you call the, you know, the person in the shop, for goodness sakes. What's the word? I can't, thank you. Yelling out really loudly. Deal of the day, 50 bucks and it's yours. Kate just said, I'll take it. She didn't even know what she was taking. <laughs> the lady said, okay. Everybody else was astonished. I think they were like, shoot, I wanted to put my hand up. Anyway, there was this brand new, still completely wrapped, two-seat love seat in the perfect colors, and Kate had bought it without realizing it. 
another 50 bucks. And then she went to pay for it and she said, I'll be back in half an hour or to an hour. I got to go home to, you know, uh, figure out how I'm going to bring it back with my minivan. I'm only in my Volkswagen Jetta. And the lady said, oh, I'm sorry. No, you can't have it then. It has to be right now. You, it, we got, the whole point of this is we need it out of here now. Well, the lady behind, okay, said, I, I can't do that. The lady behind said, well, the, 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 the shop assistant said, oh, you can't have it then. The lady behind said, sweetheart, I got a pickup truck. Can you tell? Wow, that sounded a bit southern. I got a pickup truck. Um, I live in the south now. And, and she's like, where, do you, where are you going? Kate said, well, I live in, you know, north of Palgrave. She said, well, I'm going the opposite way, but hey, don't worry, sweetie. I'll put it, let's put it in. I'll, I'll go out of my way for you. She took the thing up there, dropped it off at the house. Why? Because Kate's a daughter of the king, and the king knows how to take care of his kids. When his kids understand the mindset of the kingdom and start to operate within the expectation and utilize the currency of faith. It's not automatic. God is good and has been for all of eternity, with or without you and me. But whether he's good to you is another matter. Faith is not that God's good. Faith is that God's good to you. God's already good. That's a fact. That's truth. But faith changes it from God's good to and does good to me. To us. How rich would you like to be as a church? You want to be a poor church? People are like, oh, you know what? Riches. Got to be careful of that stuff, you know. I mean, after all, look at that person over there. Think they're a Christian. They got a big house. That money could be used for the poor. Wait a minute. Who does that sound like? That sounds like a guy who hung himself because he betrayed Jesus. That's what he said couple days before he died in a suicide. Having a mentality that says, oh my gosh, how come they're so rich? If they were smart, they'd understand there's a lot of problems in this world and they wouldn't be spending that money on that house and that car. They would be giving it to the poor. But you know what? John, the apostle, when he wrote about that moment, when Judas was judging the woman for taking an extremely $75,000 worth of perfume and breaking it over Jesus, he says, what a waste. That could have been sold and given to the poor. And then he says this, Judas said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Be careful when you look at the wealthy and think, and judge what they should be doing with their wealth. The truth is, you're revealing that you have a spirit of thievery in your heart. That you actually would like to steal and take from them and bring it for yourself or give it to somebody else. But the reality is, <laughs> nobody's ever entrusted you with that kind of wealth because you take it for yourself. Now, I'm speaking generally everybody, not specifically. So don't let me lose any friends in the room. I'm just saying, be careful that you don't judge 
wealth wrongly. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of money that's evil. Okay? So in the kingdom, God wants you to have abundance. God wants you to prosper. And God is good. And you're his daughter and his son. And he wants you to learn how to access the wealth of the kingdom. Why? Precisely so that you, out of your abundance, will always be able to have enough for every good work. For every good work. Let's have a look at that very scripture. It's Ephesians. I'm sorry, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able. Say able. God is able. What does able mean? Able means without any restraint. Nobody can stop him. He's able. God's able to make all grace, say all grace. How much grace? How much? All grace abound to you. God's able to make all grace trickle towards you. Is that what it says? God's able to make all grace come to you when you're good. Is that what it says? God's able to make all grace come to you when you've worked hard and you've earned it. Well, that wouldn't be grace. <laughs> that would be reward. And it doesn't say that God's able to make all reward come to you for all your hard work. God says God's able to make all grace. Unmerited favor. What would your life look like if you got unplugged from a mentality of having to earn everything into a mentality of unmerited favor towards you. From a good father who loves you like crazy. Come on, man. I, man, I'm getting, I'm getting very excited about the scriptures. And God's able to make all grace abound to you. Shikabanga. Babalolu. Abound. It's like abounding. <laughs> it's like one of, those, one, one of those crazy English sheepdogs. Those old English sheepdogs. It's just like totally boundless energy and goofy and dumb. And Excuse me, I do love English sheepdogs if any of you have them. But, you know, I mean, I'm talking about like when, you know, what's that dog in Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo. Um... <laughs> It's like when Scooby, hey Scooby, and Scooby's like, oh, 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 you know, and it's just bounding along with his big old floppy ears flopping everywhere and his big humongous feet getting into everything. That's what God wants to do with you and I, with all of his grace. He wants it just coming and coming and coming. Ah, I'm being smothered. Grace is chasing me down. Grace is abounding in my life. Grace is wrecking everything, knocking me over, doing its absolute best successfully to completely ruin my thinking when it comes to reward. Ruining my thinking when it comes to me earning everything. Haba, shikabanga. Folks, quit working for money. 
That makes money your boss. That makes money your master. And you know what? Money really sucks as a boss. It's a horrible master. It's a nasty taskmaster. Don't ever, ever again work for money. Make a decision in your heart that money is fired as your boss. Fire it. And instead, work for joy. Why? Because money makes a lousy boss, but a very, very good servant. But you must learn to master it and make it serve you. Did you know that most of the world works for money when in reality money's ready to work for you? What would your life look like if money started working for you? We taught our kids, go work for joy. It started with our eldest. She couldn't work because she did, we, didn't have, we didn't have our green cards. And she came in all crying one day, you know, Daddy, my friends are working at McDonald's. She's like 15 and a half, turning six, just turned 16, I think. My friends were working at McDonald's and I want to work because they're making money this summer and I, I suck when I'm on this visa. Okay, she didn't quite do that, but she, it was going on on the inside. And I said, well, really? You want to work making hamburgers all day? But wait a minute. Why don't you work for joy instead of money? Work for joy. I want to earn money. What do you mean work for joy? I said, listen, what are you good at? I don't know. You're good at swimming. Yeah. Okay. Go down to the Y that's less than a mile down the road. Walk in and say, hi, my name's Jessica Smith. And I've come because I'd like to work at this, why? Teaching people how to swim because I'm really good at it. She is. And tell them that please don't worry about paying me because I'm not here to work for money. I'm here to work for joy. She looked at me. Are you crazy, dad? I said, no, I'm not crazy. I'm telling you, you have the opportunity right now as a 16-year-old to fire money for the rest of your life that you will never, ever work for it. That money will never be your boss. Joy will be your boss. Joy will be the one that you work for. And not only that, you will work not to make money, but to create value for others. If you work to create value for others, money will chase you down your whole life. Well, cut a long story short, she listened to me and off she went. They looked at her like she was from Pluto. But they reluctantly against their, against their best senses, they took her on board. Well, she didn't have to work long, just a few weeks, and we got our green cards. She went in to upgrade to say, I got my green card. Up till this point, she's not been working for any money at all. She's been working for joy. Well, it turned out that she was so darn good at teaching kids how to swim that she was the number one by choice swim instructor among the parents. Well, the 
when they got the, when she said, please upgrade my records, I've got my green card now, they said to her, well, Jessica, you've been so good. We're going to put you, now, her friends were, she was going to earn six bucks an hour making hamburgers. So we're going to put you on a starting rate of $10 an hour. And we're going to back pay you right the way back to the day you started. Because you've been so amazing. We're just going to give it to you as a starting bonus. Well, by the end of the summer, everybody, she was being invited in agreement with the why by parents to go teach their children extracurricular swim lessons in their private swimming pools for $40 an hour as a 16-year-old kid. Doggone, the girl was richer than the parents. And anytime she wants, she turns the heat on. Anytime she needs it, she just, oh, swim lesson. I'll phone up one of the parents that I know and see if they want to swim. 40 bucks. Boom. That's $80,000 a year. Not bad for 16. Wasn't that much, so she didn't get 80,000. Not many hours. But do you get what I'm saying, everybody? We need a metanoia. We need to change our mindset. How are you going to move out of this building that you have to set up, tear down, set up, tear down, set up, tear down, set up, tear down every Sunday? How are you going to move into a 24-7 leased or owned building? How are you going to do that? You're not going to do it by your wallet alone. You're going to, I said that carefully. You are going to do it by accessing infinite treasure. If you, as a church, determine that you, if you begin to understand as a church family, we have the number one most valuable commodity and services in the whole universe. We have the kingdom and we have the king. And we're going to serve KW, the king of kings. We're going to serve KW, the glories of his riches. We're going to serve KW out of abundance. We're going to be the ones that are going to change. We're going to be the ones that are going to end drug addiction in our cities. We're going to be the ones that are going to end poverty in our communities. We're going to be the ones that are going to bring the glorious love of God to people that are full of anger, full of hatred, full of unforgiveness, full of bitterness. We're just going to lavish the love of God to them. We're going to pursue them with abounding grace. If you change your mentality and get on board with the kingdom, heaven will back you up and pay for everything. It's just like that. That's how it works. Oh my gosh. Everything I just... Look at this. An angel arrives to a mother. Actually, she's not a mother. She's a teenage woman. An angel arrives to a teenage woman and says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Luke 1 verse 30. You found favor with God. Favor is abounding to you. Angels are coming with favor to you on Mother's Day. 
And behold, uh, you're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Savior of the world. Yeah, just, it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little message from the king. I realize I'm an angel, and you're terrified and on the floor, flat out on your face. Don't be afraid, Mary. By the way, I've come to give you a message. You're going to conceive a son. I know you're a virgin. I know. But don't worry. You're going to conceive a son. Don't worry. Yes, I know the world's going to think you're adulterous, including your fiancé. However, the son that you're going to have is going to be the savior of the world. Can you imagine What would you feel like if you were 15 years old or 16 years old or 17 years old and an angel came and told you that? Yeah, sure. I can't wait to tell my mom and dad the good news. And he, this son will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there'll never be an end. Then Mary said to the angel, how in the world can this be? Since I have never had sex with a man. That's the biblical way of saying since I've not known a man. Basically means I haven't had sex with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Okay, you want me to tell my mom and dad tomorrow I just got pregnant because God overshadowed me. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay, mom and dad, it's all right. Don't worry. This baby that's on the inside of me, you can see that baby right there. This baby that's on the inside of me, that baby's going to be called the Son of God. Yep, yep, yep. I promise you, Joe didn't have sex with me. Joe is an honorable man. But God overshadowed me, and now I'm pregnant. I know you don't get it, but I promise you, it's true. Are you kidding me? Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. I guess the angel saw all the shock and horror on this girl's face. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. The angel is tutoring her, changing her mind from the natural to the spirit. I'm changing our minds from the natural to the spirit. For God... For with God, nothing will be impossible. Your bank accounts up till this point have been barren compared to multimillionaires. But I promise you, the day of your barrenness is over. Why? Because you will no longer live out of yours and you will learn to live out of his. Verse 37 on Mother's Day. For nothing, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Lord, behold, the maidservant 
of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Folk, folks, never mind that fanfare. Look at Mary's response. Her response was not, there's no way. There's no way. How am I going to tell my parents? How am I going to tell my fiance? How am I going to, 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 how am I going to? You know what, how am I going to lead to Armageddon? No, I'm just joking. How am I going to do this? That wasn't her response. She simply said this, behold your maidservant. Be it unto me as you have said. Folks, I just want to say to you as a church family, let your response be, from now on, God, joy, behold your servant. Be it unto me as you have said. Teach me to live out of your abundance. Let's stand. Let's stand. It's Mother's Day. Thank you, Amy. Let's just lift that out of the way a little differently. When our church was three and a half years old, we had a building and that we were renting. And our Jewish atheist landlord decided to sell it. That would mean we'd have to move. And that would have been disastrous. The church was just getting going. He told us that we had first right to buy it. He had three, builder, three buyers in the wings. He told us the price was $1,400,000 US dollars. He asked us how much we had in our bank account. My brother told him $2,000. He said, you better go to the banks if you want to get a mortgage. You're still going to have to come up with 400000 cash. We went to eight banks. They all said no. We went to God in the secret place. He said, why are you begging? Why are you pleading? I was in the secret place with God on my knees. He said, son, stand up. Reach into the invisible realm of the kingdom. Take hold of $1,400,000 and pull it down by faith into your bank account. So you know what I did? I did exactly that. I didn't say, dear Lord Jesus. I didn't say, dear Heavenly Father. I didn't say, dear Daddy, dear Papa. I didn't say, Holy Spirit. I didn't even say, in Jesus' name, Amen. I didn't even say a word. I was on my knees. He told me to get up. I got up. He told me to reach into heaven. He told me to take hold of it. He told me to yank it out. He told me to put it in my account. Foo! And that's what I did. Exactly like that. And I knew it was done. In fact, I knew it was so done, done, that if I said another word on it, it would be sin. I went off to Africa, which was very inconvenient at that time, but it was already planned. When I got back from a missions trip, feeding our hungry friends that were on the edge of 
in risk of dying in a famine, took $30,000, which we needed for the building. Others had given. We took it and we fed them. We got back. Five days later, I got an envelope that changed me forever. Because at that point, I knew I was a son. At that point, I knew I'd become a friend. But I didn't understand that in the kingdom of heaven, there's a family business. And God wanted me not just to be a son, not just to be a friend, but he wanted me to learn to be a colleague in the family business. And the envelope said, Duncan Smith, Catch the Fire Ministries, 925 Leesville Road, Raleigh, North Carolina. I opened the envelope. I pulled out the letter. I just noticed as I pulled the letter out, it was one of those letters like you get when you get your paycheck. That's the one that's void, you know, but it's, it's, the, it's the record. And, and there's a check. It's, it's like a void check, you know, on a, on a perforated line that you could tear off if you wanted to separate it from the letter. It was like that. It said this, dear colleague, heaven considers us colleagues. Dear colleague, please find enclosed a check in the amount of $1,200,000 from one of our donors who wishes to remain anonymous but wants you to know that you may use the money as you see fit. We took the whole lot. Well, first of all, I fell on the floor and for 20 minutes I was screaming. You're good, you're good, you're stinking, 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 good God. You're just so good, you're ridiculously good. For 20 minutes in my kitchen. I'd never seen so many zeros. I discovered something in that moment. What's the difference between 120, 1200, 12,000, 120,000, and 1,200,000? What's the difference? Just another zero. Because in the realm of infinite treasure, a billion is a small number. Come on, metanoia, everybody. Let's change our mindset. Amen. All right. I taught this in one, in one place in Mozambique at a harvest school. And this girl was so upset. She was mad. She's like, you're telling us all about 1,200,000. We're missionaries, you dummy. She wrote this in an email to me later. I was just so mad with you. And then you got us all to do this and do it and pull it down, which we're going to do in a moment. And she said, I was so mad with you and I was so mad. The Holy Spirit said, what are you mad about? Why are you so mad with him? You've got a need. She said, no, I don't. He said, yeah, you do. You're 32 years old and you don't have a husband. And you want to get married. She's like, I sobered up immediately. I was, I was like, whoa. Okay, now I'm not so mad with him. And the Holy Spirit said, reach up into the invisible realm, take hold of your husband and pull him down. <clears throat> Some of you need to do that with children. Some of you need to do it with houses. Some of you need to do it with new jobs. Some of you need to get out of the job that you hate. And first of all, you need to start working for joy so you love that job no matter what. And then you'll be positioned to be promoted by God, not man. God will never promote you out of a job you hate if you hate that job, and have a bad attitude. But when you learn to work for joy, not money, God will promote you. You'll never have a limitation on your level of potential promotions. Okay, now, 
this girl, she said she reached up with everybody else in the practice run. And she said, and to my complete astonishment, my hand bumped into a man's physical heel. And she said, I was like shocked. I went up his hairy leg and shot back down. And the Lord said, that's your husband. Yank him down. So she said, when we did it for real, she said, I went up, boom, there he was again. I grabbed him by the heels. I yanked him down and I put him in my life by faith. She used the currency of faith. She said, I got back home and there was a young man that we used to be like childhood sweethearts. We hadn't seen each other for 12 years, more than 12 years. And she said, there he was. God had preserved him. God had preserved me. We fell in love. Mom and dad of each side, lover each. And now we're getting married. And by the way, they got married and they now have a beautiful, beautiful daughter. Come on! I, can, I could tell you all afternoon, story after story, of God's abundance coming. But now we're going to just, we're going to do it, okay? Are you ready? Now listen, you're going to make the noises, you're going to make the physical act your own way. Why? Because that is the audible, visible, tangible manifestation of your faith. And faith is the currency of heaven. All right? So don't, don't be Ontarian here. I want you to be fully African here. Okay? All right. Now, first of all, think about what it is that you desire. Right? Maybe, maybe all y'all in this room want a new building. As well as all the other things. What I want is a full release of the inheritance that has been given to me but is being held up for different reasons. I want to break through in that. So I'm going to do this now for, for Duncan. You do it for you. I did it for Catch the Fire. Maybe you're going to do it for Catch the Fire. Maybe Amy and Adam and Melissa and John, you're going to do it. But we're all going to do it together. And no matter what it is, God will be pleased with it. Amen? Because faith pleases God. So get ready. We're going to have a practice run. You ready? Come on. Clear your throat. Get ready. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go like this. Yeah! All right, man. Doesn't that feel good? That was a practice run. That was just a practice run. Now we're going to have one shot at this, okay? So here we go. All right. Just get ready. Babies are going to be conceived. Not quite right now, but you still have to do your part. Houses are going to be given. Inheritances are going to be released. Husbands and wives are going to be given. A new upgraded building is going to be released to you. Are you ready? All right. On the count of three. Just focus in. Don't think about me. Focus on what you desire in God. And focus on that invisible kingdom where the currency has infinite value and belongs to you. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. Awesome. Good. All right. Cool. Okay, well, Adam, where are you? Are you going to come on up?
Folks, you are an amazing church family already. I can't believe how the thick presence of God in here is so strong. Okay? And God's going to just supernaturally, abundantly bless you all from now on. Amen? Amen. Amen.